it doesn't matter what you've done, it matters what you do now and what you do next. Welcome to The Underestimated Entrepreneur, where I share mindset, lifestyle, and business hacking tips, tools, and some painful lessons along my journey from growing my businesses and also working with some of the top entrepreneurs, business leaders, and professional athletes. So today, I really wanted to share some examples of some patterns of behavior that really hold people back and stop people from getting ahead, especially in business. And this is something that I probably see every week. And um, I don't think it's a great pattern, but I would say that probably 99.9% of people have this pattern. And it's also the reason why most people really don't do much better than the average, which sucks to say it. And there are so many business owners out there who want to have a successful business, that want to achieve good things, that want to get operational efficiency in their business, where the business isn't reliant on them. They want to have great leadership skills. They want to be able to get ahead in life. They might want greater fitness. They might want greater health. And this is the one key thing that stops them, which I find quite amazing. Because if you just take a step back and look at most people, you'll see that they have this pattern. And it's just such a shitty pattern. But anyway, oh, let's talk about it. Oh, the reason why this came up, and I thought I'll record this first thing in the morning, so I just woke up, grabbed my coffee, as you can see, uh, my, my liquid energy. Um, I shouldn't joke about that because some people will think that I need it, but uh, it's not my crutch. It's just I enjoy coffee. There's this pattern of behavior that just so many people have, and it's frustrating, especially when you're someone who wants to help people and who for the last almost 21 years has helped people with either lifestyle hacking, business hacking, mindset hacking, and helped people to get ahead in life. It's just so frustrating because I would say that almost everyone has this pattern who's listening. I would say that everyone has it. Um, they just won't admit it to themselves or don't look in the mirror enough or have time to think about it long enough and ask themselves maybe the question. But this really comes down to indecision. And so this came about for a couple of different reasons. I've had a couple of different conversations in the last week. First of all, I was getting my hair cut yesterday. As you can see, I've got this perfect perm going on here. I'm joking, by the way. Uh, you get used to my sense of humor after a while. My hairdresser asked me, he's a young, young kid, and um, he, he's been talking a lot about coming to one of my events um, because he wants to take over the family business, which is hairdressing. And they were quite successful in their uh, chain that they had. And so he's got to learn quite a lot. Anyway, he said to me, how did you at such a young age buy a supercar? Now, depending on some people's idea of young. I think uh, as you get older, young is different. When I was in my 20s, I thought young's, young was, you know, being in the teens. Now that I'm getting close to my 40s, you know, young people are in their 20s and uh, below 30. So, um, you know, it's interesting how that changes. But anyway, so he said to me, what did it, how, how did you buy a supercar by the age of, you know, 31 or 32? Your first supercar, and I said, well, look, you know, first of all, it all depends on your perspective around what young is, um, because there are some people who I know who have bought supercars in their early 20s and have worked extremely, really, uh, extremely hard, and, um, you know, they've, they were quite successful quite young. But first of all, I learned not, it doesn't matter what you've done, it matters what you do now and what you do next. And some of my friends who made, uh, you know, tens of millions of dollars in their 20s lost it all by the time they were 30. Um, and so it's just a matter of being consistent with it over time. So I just wanted to clear that up first of all, because it doesn't matter what you've done in your past. It matters what you do now moving forward. Um, and I'm a firm believer of that. Anyway, I said something that separated me from everybody else was just the fact that normally I was able to make better decisions and bigger decisions than everybody else. And I made a lot of them. And he said, what do you mean? And I said, well, when I was younger, right, I'm a diesel mechanic, hated my job, didn't enjoy what I was doing. I'm doing my apprenticeship. 
And I thought, this isn't for me. This isn't where I want to be. And my best friend's three-year-old niece was killed in a car accident. So that woke me up because I started thinking, what's the purpose of my life? How do I want to be remembered when I'm not here? And I looked at all the guys I was working with and I'm like, these guys are miserable. They're coming to work every day. They complain about their job. You know, the boss is This job is My wife is My kids are Like, it was just that miserable, like, I just hated it. And having gone through a really dark place mentally when I was a teenager, I didn't want to go back there. So I thought, you know, it's time to get out of this. Didn't know what I wanted to do. And I was, uh, when I was younger, I loved um, exercise. The gym was the only place that ever made me feel good about myself as a, as a teenager. And I started lifting weights when I was 14 with my dad because um, he played professional, well, semi-professional football uh, in the SNFL. Um, and he played at a high level in cricket as well. I think he played, you know, he might've played for the state a couple of times, but he wasn't really dedicated or committed to that. So he just never really went far with it. He didn't go to trainings or anything like that. Um, he was naturally talented, but natural talent doesn't tend to get you very far in life if you don't put in the work. At that age, I thought, you know what, it's time to do something different. I started, I remember the day I read through the newspaper and I was looking for jobs and this thing came up and it said, become a massage therapist. Uh, sorry, it said, become a personal trainer. Now we're talking, you know, early 2000s. Back then, personal trainers weren't that great. They were just essentially some jugheads at the gym who threw around weights. There are a couple of people who were doing some really cool stuff here in South Australia, and they were pushing the boundaries a little bit and starting to bring in some exercise physiology and some medicine. And, you know, those, it was sort of the start from what I saw of the integrated therapies uh, movement. It wasn't really a big thing and it wasn't something that people went into because they could make a lot of money, not, not like now with the influencer market and the fitness industry. Anyway, I thought, you know what, I, I'm i gonna give this a crack. But the first thing that happened was, I remember the sinking feeling where I thought I'm going to spew. And I thought I was going to spew because I thought about going back to school and that I had to learn. Now, I was a kid that was put into special classes. The word dyslexia got thrown around. The word learning difficulties got thrown around. And I really struggled at school. I didn't enjoy it. Like I enjoyed talking to other people and I was always in trouble. I got in trouble fucking every day for talking. Um, I always got in trouble for fighting and shit like that. But um, I was a bit of, you know, I, I just wanted to enjoy and hang out with people. To go back to school was one of the scariest things that I ever had to do because I had to look in the mirror and ask myself, do I really want this? Now, I think that's a question that most people don't ask themselves. Do I really want this? Because when it comes to making decisions, they're comfortable being uncomfortable, but they're not uncomfortable enough to want to change and to make bigger decisions. And this is the reason why you'll see people who hate their jobs that keep working in it for 40 years. You'll see people who are in their 20s and 30s who go, I can't wait till I can retire. And you go, what the f***? You've just wasted half of your life. What the f*** are you doing? Like, sorry to use the language, but... Like my best mate's three-year-old niece was killed in a car accident. She never had a choice to even live. You've got a chance to f***ing live and you're not doing anything with your life. Like make a decision and stop being a f I shouldn't even use that word because like, not that there's anything wrong with that, but like, just stop it. F do something different. Going back, I remember the first day I went to sign up and I was so scared to go back to TAFE at the time. It was the only place that did personal training. It was two years of uh, nighttime study. So I had to go on, uh, I think two or three times a week, I had to go and do night study and they would give us the manual at the start of the term. And I would just sit there and read through it all and lap it up. And it was back in the days of dial up internet where I had to plug in my fucking internet and type shit in and, you know, wait for the dial up that tone. And then someone would call and it would cut off my internet, but I was starting to do research and I thought, this is really cool. I'm really enjoying this. I never read books at school, but I started reading more because I thought this is something I'm really fascinated in. 
And so it was that big commitment. And I was telling my hairdresser about it. And I said, you know, that big commitment was something that put me completely on a different path. And then the day I got signed off my apprenticeship was a day that I felt sick again. I was like, I, I got to make this decision. But at the same time, I thought about what's my mum going to think? What's my dad going to think? What are my family going to think if I walk away from this career that, you know, everyone will say, yeah, but you can make heaps of money in that industry because the majority of society are all fucked up. They don't think through things properly. And it's not their fault. It's just they've been taught certain things like you go to school and you get a good education, you get a good education, you go to university and you go to university and then you get this great job and you stick at it until retirement. And then, you know, you have a couple of holidays and you have some kids and you get a white picket fence and a nice house. And that's the way that you live. And then when you retire, life's all this fun. But here's what I knew happened. Okay, here, I, I saw this. I saw this in my own family. What happens is you end up like my grandparents who bought a caravan when they were 50 and then they retired at 60. Then when they were 60, they realized that their body was rooted. They couldn't do half of the shit that they wanted to do. They also realized that they didn't have the money that they thought they had because superannuation wasn't enough. And so they sat at home the majority of the rest of their retirement and just ate away time by watching television and distracting themselves and eating food. So their health got worse. Their mindset and their mental health got worse. And when they passed away in their late 70s and early 80s, that caravan still sat in the same position. That's what will happen. And I thought that was their goal and their dream was to retire and travel around Australia with that caravan. But what really happened was they retired, that caravan sat there, and they died with the caravan in the same position with flat bald tires because it sat in the same position for as long as I, I was alive at the time, so up until my early 30s, so for 30 plus years. The point that I'm making is that's what I saw. And so I was telling my hairdresser about it. And I said, you know, it's those tough decisions. And so I went and signed up to, to um, you know, do this personal training thing. And again, that sick feeling came up because I knew I had to make that big decision. The big decision that I had to make where I was about to, uh, or, or where I quit my job, that made me feel sick. When I'd built up a highly successful personal training business where I was making, a, you know, a couple hundred thousand dollars a year working in a medical center doing physical rehab and all that. And I was packed out with clients or when I was working at a large gym chain here. And I decided to walk away from those things every time. It made me really uncomfortable. But I made those decisions because I knew where I wanted to go. So I said to him, it always comes down to those decisions. Like you've got to make the decisions that you don't want to make, but they're the right decisions in most cases if you think through them effectively and know where you're going. And I said, I gave him an example of another kid that I worked with um, or that I spoke to. And this happens probably every week. I would say probably 10 to 15 times um, during the week. I have all these people who message me and say, hey, Michael, you know, I want to get my shit together. I need to improve my business. My mindset needs to be improved because obviously what we do is, I, I mean, my background and my expertise is human performance, but I know that 90% of business ups, 90% of business problems are human errors. They're, they're issues with people. Now, when people go and learn marketing, they learn marketing, but they don't learn human behavior in most cases, but essentially marketing is human behavior because unless you can get people to think differently with your products and services, then you don't have marketing. Sales is human behavior. And so, you know, that's a common problem. Management is a human behavior problem. Leadership is a human behavior problem in most businesses. Now, when you look at family dynamics, most of the time it's human behavior issues that cause families to fall apart or relations to fall apart. Mental health issues are human behavior problems. You know, health crisis are normally human behavior problems because normally people are doing stuff that they know aren't beneficial for them. So we're talking about the majority of life is human behavior problems because it all has to do with people. And even in businesses, you can set up the right systems, right processes, and you put the wrong person in there or someone that's not trained effectively and all of a sudden the system doesn't work anymore. That's because people tend to follow the systems. And even if you have robots, 
if someone doesn't program effectively and doesn't work effectively, those robots don't work effectively. So the majority of everything is human behavior, but it's probably the thing that most people spend their money on the least. You know, you'll have people who do marketing degrees and learn pretty much minimal about human behavior, same as people in business learn stuff all about human behavior, yet they're stressed all the time about people. I said to him, you know, I was talking to this young kid during the week as well who uh, is in their early 20s or mid-20s and wants to grow their business. And they asked me about what I do and how I can help them. So I told them all about it. We went through everything and he said, yep, cool, I'm keen as, I just need to think about it. And I said, what specifically do you need to think about? He said, I just need the time. And I said to him, well, time never really helps to solve anything. Like time doesn't help things get better. What, you know, when you hear that time heals all wounds, no, it doesn't. What heals is your ability to think differently through them and question things, which then help you to navigate your way through those problems. So time doesn't do shit. In fact, time is just a movement of the earth, essentially around the sun and on its own axis. That's all time is. And most people spend the majority of their life wasting that movement. So it doesn't make any difference. What normally changes someone's decision-making ability is normally their knowledge. When they learn something new or they have a different perspective, then they can make different decisions. And he said, nah, look, it's just that I normally like to think through things. And I said, well, look, if that's your strategy and it works for you, I'm more than happy to do it. But it doesn't sound like this strategy is working for you because if it did, we wouldn't be having this conversation in the first place, nor would you be wanting to work with me because you would have everything that you need. There's obviously a gap. What is it that you need? If it's not me, I can direct you to somebody else, but I want to help you. After a while of me going through this, he just kept backing off and backing off. And I could tell that he didn't like pressure. That was one of the things. Now, if you're a business owner and you don't like that pressure, then it's not a, you know, that's, you're not going to move fast enough at a fast pace in business. Yeah, you might be slow and you might slowly get there, but you won't get there fast. And I assume that most people want to get somewhere fast, especially in their business or their life. Now, I'm not saying that speed is always a great thing. That's not the case at all, because sometimes speed isn't a good thing. You need to manage the speed at which you think and the speed at which you operate. Anyway, so he said, I just need to think about it. But yep, I'm pretty keen. Send me through more information. So I sent through all the information, all that stuff. Week later, have a chat with him. Yep, still keen to do it. Here's some questions I have. I go through all the questions. He's, you know, comes back to the point. I just need to think about it, blah, blah, blah. Takes the pressure off. Anyway, after that, try to call him. Can't get onto him. And you can tell he's avoiding my calls. The reason why most people do this is because they just don't like to make decisions. And they don't like to make decisions because they're not trained in decision making. And just like everything, if you go to the gym, the first time you do it, you're going to be pretty shit at it. After a while, you realize that you get better at it and you think you get better at it and you think you're a master until you meet someone who's a master and then you actually realize that you're shit at it and the things that you thought you knew aren't the things that you actually know. Now that's how life just progresses, right? So we tend to learn things and then in order to create new habits, we unlearn them and we relearn new things. That's how growth happens. That's how human evolution happens. But what I find is that just people are really bad at making decisions because they don't make enough decisions. You know, they go out for dinner. Their partner says to them, what do you want for dinner? And they go, I don't know. What do you want? And they go, I don't know. What do you want? And I don't know. What do you want? That's indecisiveness. That's the indecision. The only reason why they make a fucking decision is because if they don't, they'll never eat. Now, that's not a good strategy for growth in life. Unfortunately, that's just the way the majority of people live. And I think they're afraid of doing that because when they were a kid and they made decisions, they got punished for it. And so now they're afraid and they're stuck in this very childlike mind where they're afraid of making decisions because if something goes wrong, someone's going to judge them. Someone's going to criticize them. Someone's going to tell them that they're wrong. And the truth is that you'll never criticize yourself. Other people's criticisms are implanted in you, which is what Sigmund Freud called the super ego, which is the implanted or injected values of others 
who tell you that you're right and wrong and create the psyche of perfectionism. And so because we wanna be perfect, because we always wanna do the right thing, that's essentially trying to please others. That's not pleasing ourselves. We don't self-criticize because you just do what you do. That's it. But those self-criticisms are actually the criticisms of others and the judgments of others or the fears of the criticisms of others. And then because of that, that stalls your decision-making process. And so most people create a strategy of not making decisions. But here's the kicker. When you do that, you'll always be in a rush in most cases, or you'll distract yourself. So most people that I meet are in a rush. You know, I'm I'm 40 this year, Michael. You know, I got to change. I got to do shit. You know, I'm, I'm doing a 12-week body challenge because I'm fat and I'm overweight and I've only got 12 weeks to change everything. And so they're in this rush to try and change their body. But that rush normally means that they do shortcuts. And after 12 weeks, they normally go back to doing what they've always done because they haven't built the right habits and dissolve the old habits. The same thing happens in business where people rush decision-making strategies, jump into stupid ideas, do all these things. And then all of a sudden, you know, their business doesn't work and they go, fuck, I've wasted all this time. Now that again, reinforces this pattern of bad decision-making. So the point that I'm trying to make is that indecision never changes anything. Just remember that every time you're indecisive, nothing changes. Fact. The more decisions you make, the better you get at decision-making. And the more mistakes you make, especially in your decision-making process, often the better you get at making decisions because you'll ask better questions when it comes to making decisions. The fears are that when I make decisions and I make the wrong decision, other people are gonna grill me or I will feel shit or waste money or waste a little bit of time instead of realizing that every time you do that, you're a step closer. My advice to this 20-year-old kid was I spent the majority of my 20s learning. My friends went out and they bought houses, they bought cars, they bought boats, they bought jet skis, they bought all those things. I sunk close to a million dollars by the time I was 30 on study. Now, I get asked a lot, how did you get a million bucks in like a 10 year period? Well, there were many different ways. First of all, when I ran my personal training business, I was working flat stick. And so the only thing that I did was go out and party, train people, and I would train, I would probably, you know, do about 50 hours worth of clients a week. I charged a good amount. I delivered a good service or so I thought. And because of that, I was earning a couple hundred thousand dollars a year in my early 20s. And we're talking, you know, what, 10 years ago, uh, over 10 years ago, so 10 to 15 years ago. What it did was it put me into a category of, I guess, elite personal trainers in this country. And um, that, that helped me to make a lot of money. But I would reinvest the majority of that money in either mentors, coaches, courses, as you can see behind me in my book collection, because I just kept studying and kept learning. And what I realized is that someone else already has done what I want to do. I just need to go and learn off of them. Finally, before I go, I'll just leave you with one thing. And I, I remember this conversation and I was telling my hairdresser about this. I remember this one conversation that I had with uh, a close friend of mine now, uh, a guy called Ryan Lim. Now he was the ex head of Air Asia, and he came to South Australia here to work. Anyway, he worked for another company who I'm friends with called Magnetic Alliance and they were doing um, business consulting at the time. And anyway, I met Ryan and, and we became sort of mates and we're sitting down having a coffee and we're just chilling. And, and anyway, he said, look, what's what are the problems? And I went through all the problems in our business. And he said, look, you really need mentoring. I'm happy to do the mentoring, but it's going to cost 40 grand. And at the time, I reckon I had like two grand in the bank account. Our business wasn't doing that well. Um, we hadn't earned a lot of money at all. And um, we were really struggling. Anyway, I said to Ryan, let's fucking do it. You know, I had to make that decision. So anyway, he said to me, okay, cool. Look, I'll send through the paperwork in a couple of days. You know, it's a weekend. Tomorrow, um, I'll send through the paperwork on Monday. And I said to him, Ryan, if I were you, I'd find a contract ASAP because I might change my mind by Monday. Anyway, Ryan went to the car. About 10 minutes later, he comes back and he had this screwed up piece of paper. Anyway, he straightens it out on the table and he goes, I found a contract. Anyway, we did all the paperwork. I signed it all and I said, right, I'm in. That was it. That was a decision made. That's how quick... I made it, that's how fast 
you know, I got stuff done because I knew that I would change my mind, that other things would come up, that there would be other people's voices getting to me. Like I would get home and I would say to Jess, my now wife, I would say to her, look, I'm going to sign up to do this thing. And she'd say, but we don't have the money to do that. We don't have the time to do it. But, you know, business needs this. And then, you know, we've got to pay these bills. And so I would never do it. But that wasn't because I didn't want to do it. It was because she had fears and she had worries. So now I let her fears and her worries become my fears and my worries, which then would compound over time, especially if I didn't get the results, because I would have that internalizing voice realizing that I wasn't doing shit with my life and I wasn't happy. Then I would blame it on other people around me, which I see every day with people. Then I would blame it on other people. Well, the reason why my life is because my wife doesn't want what allow me to do things and my life is because of my kids and my life is because of my boss. And so people tend to blame all these other things because they don't look in the mirror and go, you know what? I was the one who was indecisive. I was the one who didn't step up. I was the one who didn't make my partner feel secure in the decisions that I'm making. So anyway, I just went home and I learned something years ago is that when you make a decision, you need to make the decision, be firm with the decision and explain why. So I went home and I said to Jess, look, I made this decision. I'm working with Ryan. It's $40,000 a year. Here's what we did. We divided up over, over you know 10 months or whatever. So it's $4,000 a month. All I've got to do is if I can create 10,000 bucks in my in you know per month over the next couple of months, then we should be fine and take care of it. So the question is, how do we make four grand a month? And I would love to work with you on it. Anyway, she looks at me and she goes, cool, sounds fine. Why the fuck are you asking me? And I was like, I'm not, I've already made the decision. So for her, it was sort of like her, her um, persona shifted because I was firm in my decisions. When I'm unsure in my decisions, she always brings up my insecurities by feeding back stuff that makes me more insecure about those decisions. So anyway, I hope that helps. I think that if you want to get ahead in life, the number one key, I would say, one of the keys, I shouldn't say number one, one of the keys is that you need to be decisive. You've got to make decisions. You have to step forward. And if you're consistently making decisions to please others and because you're worried about your friends, your family, your partner, the kid at school who called you fat, the other teacher that said that you were stupid and put you in the naughty corner, whatever. If those things are driving your decision-making, please understand that they're not your decisions. They're somebody else's decisions. They're the decisions that they would make in their life. And now what's happening is you're playing their game, not your own. That's what it comes down to. I hope that helps. I'm just bringing together this podcast because I want to share human behavior information that really helps people to succeed and achieve more, especially with a lot of the mindset, business, and lifestyle hacking frameworks that I've created over the last two decades of studying human behavior and helping people you know, in business of all different sizes from you know, rich listers right through to startup business owners and also just everyday people as well. All the things that I've learned along the way of how you can tap inside your mindset to become even more successful and achieve a lot more. Because I really think that probably 99.999% of people that I meet are really holding themselves back. And I'm not talking about they're pushing it and making mistakes and that's they're holding back. It's that the majority of people aren't pushing hard enough and they're afraid and they're scared and they won't make decisions and they're distracting themselves with television, alcohol, food, both pharmaceutical drugs, uh, as in, you know, uh, like antidepressants, any anxiety medication, all those things, um, and not saying that they aren't needed every now and again, but they're overconsumed and uh, given out like lollies these days. And I really believe that that's a byproduct of people's internal voices telling them that they're not where they want to be and that they're not achieving what they really want and the pressure of everyone else's decisions and opinions being forced onto them that makes them not on their own path. So if you can get on your own path and you can keep making the right decisions and, you can, and you've got the right behavior, human behavior tools, you should be able to kick ass and keep crushing it. Anyway, I hope that helps. Keep living with Mojo, everyone, and I look forward to seeing you on the next episode.